Chapter Ten of In the Path of the Alphabet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in February 2018. In the Path of the Alphabet by Francis Germain. Chapter Ten Protomedic Alphabet throughout the whole history of cuneiform writing with the babylonians and assyrians it continued a syllabic system there was no development with them of alphabetic characters the first evidences we have as yet of such development through this cuneiform was at the time when the medes an aryan people related to the persians received from the primitive or earlier inhabitants of media their system of writing these protomedic tribes were a Turanian people of Ural Altaic stock speaking an agglutinative language. Their system of writing was the cuneiform and had been a development from the Semitic Babylonian script. In the adaptations of this to the requirements of an agglutinative speech, a process of simplifying had occurred quite similar to that which the Japanese present upon the transmission to them of the graphic system of the Chinese. The Semitic Babylonian system, which was originally adopted from the cuneiform of a Turanian people, had developed a complicated and cumbrous method of writing, including over 500 signs. This had arisen in the attempts to adapt the syllabary and characters expressing an agglutinative speech to the uses of a Semitic language. It was from this that the Persian cuneiform was derived, and in the further simplicity which appeared in the transmission of this to an Aryan people and its applications to an Aryan speech that we find a development towards alphabetism. With the adoption of the protomedic cuneiform by the Medes and Persians, many of the syllabic signs, instead of representing syllables, came on the acrologic principle to be used as alphabetic characters. As certain of these signs retained a syllabic character, the Persian cuneiform was never a pure alphabet, though far on the way to this, as early as the period of the Achaemenian kings. Dr. Taylor says of this, Quote, the idea of alphabetism may not improbably have been suggested to the Persians by their acquaintance with the Phoenician alphabet, which as early as the 8th century BC was used in the valley of the Euphrates concurrently with cuneiform writing. End quote. At the date of the Persepolitan and Behistun inscriptions, and during the two previous centuries, the Aramean alphabet, daughter of the Phoenician, had been a commercial script of the Semitic people of northern Mesopotamia and Syria. At the time of Darius it was used at the courts of the Assyrian kings in official records, and later on at Babylon. Again, upon the decline of the Assyrian and Babylonian empires, and with these the decadence of the cuneiform, this was superseded by the Aramean alphabet. Of this, however, later on. Whatever influences the alphabet of Aram may have had in suggesting the idea of alphabetism to the originators of the Persian cuneiform, the result was original and distinct. Of this Persian cuneiform, which has furnished the key to the decipherment of all cuneiform, the fullest vocabulary has been found in the Behistun inscriptions. 
the rock on which these are engraved is situated near the western frontier of persia on the direct route from babylon to ecbatana it rises an isolated mountain from the plain to a height of seventeen hundred feet on one side is a sheer wall of precipitous rock at its base is a copious fountain on one of the great highways of travel its isolated position and peculiar features have made this a notable landmark throughout the ages at the northern extremity of this escarpment in a recess to the right are the famous inscriptions of darius son of hystapes to make these inaccessible to foreign invaders or domestic foes they were placed about three hundred feet above the base of the rock sir henry rawlinson who first deciphered these inscriptions attempted the work by the aid of powerful field glasses but later succeeded in obtaining a closer inspection by means of ropes let down from the cliffs at great expense and at the risk of his life the wonder is how the engravers could have done the work the rock was beautifully polished before inscribed and in some places where there were inequalities of surface pieces of the rock were fitted in and fastened with molten lead this was done with such delicacy that only by close and careful scrutiny can it be detected after the engraving had been completed a fine coat of silicious varnish was laid over to give clearness of outline to each letter and to protect the surface against the action of the elements of the inscriptions sir henry rawlinson says for beauty of execution for uniformity and correctness they are unequalled the purpose of king darius in these memorials was to set forth to his subjects his hereditary right to the throne of persia and the glories of his reign i am darius he says the great king the king of kings the king of persia the king of nations and then after giving the record of his genealogy back to achaemenes the first of his line he says there are eight of my race who have been kings before me i am the ninth in a double line we have been kings the inscriptions consist of a thousand lines in three columns and in three languages an Aryan, a Turanian, and a Semitic speech. The first column, addressed to the Persian people of his realm, was written in the Persian cuneiform, with thirty-six alphabetic signs and but four ideograms. The second was to the Proto-Medic, or as now called, Scythic inhabitants of the kingdom, and was written in the Turanian cuneiform, with ninety-six pure syllabic signs, accompanied by seven surviving ideograms. The third version, to the Assyrian or Semitic subjects of the Persian king, was inscribed in the Semitic Babylonian cuneiform, including five hundred characters. After the discovery by Grotefend of the key to the decipherment of the Persian cuneiform, sir henry rawlinson an english military officer in the service of the east india company while on duty in persia undertook the study of cuneiform characters this he attempted independently with no one to aid him as at this time he was not acquainted with the discoveries of grotefend or the methods pursued by him 
the greater simplicity of the persian versions in the trilingual inscriptions suggested less difficulties to overcome and led him to pursue the same lines by which grotefend had previously obtained success sir henry rawlinson was able to carry forward the decipherment of cuneiform much farther than grotefend owing partly to the better knowledge of the ancient languages of persia attained at this time and partly to the fact that he had escaped the mistakes which obstructed grotefend in his later decipherments of cuneiform it will be remembered that grotefend discovered the true values of twelve of the forty-eight letters of the persian alphabet further than this he did not go he made the mistake of supposing all the vowel sounds were expressed in this system which is not the case with some of the consonants the vowel sound is inherent and is not written with an independent sign this mistake prevented his further progress but his success had pointed the way and a host of eager and able scholars at once entered this new field of oriental philology the most promising direction seemed to be the zend the so-called language in which the sacred books of the parsees was written of this but one or two fragments known to be genuine were at this time to be found in the libraries of europe one in the bodleian library chained to the wall and here and there a few stray leaves of Zend manuscript in other collections in the year seventeen seventy one a work had been deposited by its author anquetil du perron which he claimed to be a translation from the original Zend avesta with copy of the texts the work had been pronounced a forgery by certain distinguished scholars but the well-known scholarship of its author held the judgments of other learned philologists in abeyance the story of this effort is of romantic interest while a youth preparing for priesthood in the seminaries of paris he became so absorbed in the study of language that he gave himself entirely to these pursuits abandoning his intentions of the study of theology while thus engaged some stray leaves of a zend manuscript came into his hands which so filled his minds with the desire to read the language of the parsees that he determined to do so at this time the conflicting interests of the english and french in india reached a crisis enlisting as a private soldier in the french army he was about to sail for india when the officers of the institute to which he was attached affected by his zeal for learning obtained from the minister of war a free passage for him to pondicherry with a seat during the voyage at the captain's table and a salary to be paid him on his arrival in india while he carried on his studies after reaching pondicherry he began the study of sanskrit and arabic and later on through great hardship finally reached surat here he obtained the confidence of certain parsi priests who permitted him access to their sacred books and through whose assistance he acquired sufficient knowledge of the language in which they were written to enable him to translate the zend avesta returning to paris in seventeen sixty two with over a hundred precious manuscripts he obtained a small post in the royal library where he spent the next nine years in the preparation of his copies of the original texts of the zend avesta translating these for publication in seventeen seventy one the work was completed and he had the satisfaction of placing in the royal library of paris 
the first authentic version of the Zend Avesta and the first translation that had ever appeared in any European language. As before stated, many scholars of the time were not prepared for the work, denying its authenticity and proclaiming it an audacious forgery. Under this cloud, the intrepid author of this work, conscious of the importance of his contribution to learning, undaunted by the fate which so long delayed the just recognition of his labours, passed the remainder of his days in cheerful resignation. He lived to congratulate Grotefend upon his achievements in the decipherment of cuneiform, and died shortly after, in 1808, at the advanced age of seventy-seven. Twenty years later, the honours due his name came through the researches of the illustrious scholars Rask and Burnoff, who proved this great work of Anquetil du Perron to be a genuine, if not correct, translation of the Zend Avesta, as obtained through the sacred books of the Parsis. It was by a study of this translation that the key to the ancient Persian language was obtained, and has since served an important use in the study of Zend philology. Footnote. This use of the word Zend is incorrect as referring to the language in which the works of Zoroaster appear. There is no Zend language. End footnote. Notwithstanding its value, this translation of the Zend Avesta was by no means perfect. The faulty teachings of the Parsi priests led the author into occasional errors which obstructed the progress of later scholars who depended too closely upon it for results. Little by little, however, from the work of Sir Henry Rawlinson on the Behistun inscriptions, through the researches of Bernouf in the original Zend manuscripts, again from testimony furnished by other distinguished scholars, from coins and other inscriptions, and still again by a comparative study of Sanskrit, modern Persian and Arabic, all the letters of the old Persian cuneiform have been obtained, until now it is as easily and distinctly read as Greek or Hebrew. It is impossible within these limits to follow the steps by which these important results were obtained. The methods employed in such researches are often only intelligible to philologists themselves. In this special study, the epigraphic materials examined included not only cuneiform signs, but characters representing the fully developed alphabets of later periods, alphabets which had superseded the cuneiform as systems of writing, though expressing the ancient speech of Persia. The most ancient copies of the Zend Avesta are only to be found in Pehlevi characters, a Persian alphabetic system of the Sasanian period, dating from the 3rd century AD. The Pehlevi alphabets are direct descendants of the Aramean alphabet, a daughter of the older Phoenician, which had developed in the highlands of Aram, or Upper Mesopotamia, before the Achaemenian period in Persia. The Aramean language originally expressed by these characters was at this time one of the most widely spoken of the Semitic dialects, including the idioms of Syria, Aram, and Assyria. At first, as a commercial and literary script, it came to be extensively used in these and adjacent countries conjointly with the cuneiform. In the ruins of ancient Nineveh, there are the remains of what must have been a public registry office. 
From this, a great number of terracotta tablets have been exhumed, on which were inscribed in cuneiform characters records of legal contracts, including loans of money, sales of estates, and exchanges of other properties. Many of these tablets were docketed on the sides or edges in Aramean or Phoenician letters, by which the subject of each document could be readily found when piled on the shelves or in recesses where they were deposited. Reference in some of these appears from the time of Tiglat-Pileser and Sennacherib, 741-681 to 681 BC. Other evidences of the extensive use of this script comes from the later Assyrian kings and from Babylonia until the decline of these empires, 606-538 to 538 BC. After the conquests of Babylonia by the Persians, the Aramean alphabet gradually became the official script of these regions, finally supplanting the cuneiform. Of historic documents of this period in the Aramean script and language was the royal decree given by Artaxerxes to Ezra for the rebuilding of the temple at Jerusalem. The Aramean was the language spoken at this time by all the Semitic people of Babylonia. It is probable that during the whole period of the Achaemenids, a local variety of the Aramean alphabet was in general use as a cursive script throughout the empire. The perishable materials used for this purpose, as the bark of trees, skins, papyrus, unbaked clay, etc., have furnished but few remains of this form of writing, but that it existed and was in extensive use at this date, there are unmistakable evidences. It is not impossible that the works of Zoroaster may have been so written in the old Bactrian, as Darius Hystaspus states in the Median text of the Behistun inscription, that he has made a book in the Aryan language which before him did not exist. The text of the Divine Law, Avesta, the Prayer and the Translation and then this ancient book was restored by me in all nations, and the nations followed it. The inscription of King Asoka at Kaipur Digiri on the northern and western confines of India is evidently a survival of this ancient script. About 500 BC, the Punjab was invaded by the Persians under Darius and during the remaining period of the Achaemenian kings continued a satrapy of Persia. After the conquests of Alexander, and later of the decline of Greek rule, this province was restored to India. About 251 BC, Asoka, then king of India, an earnest and devout believer in Buddha, ordered certain edicts to be inscribed in various parts of his empire. These are known as the Fourteen Edicts of Asoka. The type of the alphabetic character employed in the various localities differs. Those used at Kapur-di-Giri are in a cursive script from the Aramean and are often designated the Bactrian alphabet from its close relationship to these early Iranian forms. Of this, Dr. Taylor says, quote, the Kapur-di-Giri record must be regarded as an isolated monument of a great Bactrian alphabet in which the Zoroastrian books and an extensive literature were in all probability conserved. End, quote. End of section 10